0: It's the Adam Ragusea Podcast, Episode 61. I'm Adam Ragusea. I got internet famous by making videos about food, but today I would like to sing the praises of tiny mics. If you're like me, you've noticed the trend of TikTok and TikTok-style content creators speaking on camera into tiny, tiny baby microphones that they hold up to their lips. Most of my favorite food And fitness short-form video creators are talking into tiny mics these days. You may have even seen the guy who sticks his in among the tines of his balloon whisk to improvise a handle for his tiny mic. Hilarious gag, that is. And no, this is not just a case of idiot kids misunderstanding how to use their equipment. As a card-carrying, younger-old that is, someone who is young enough to understand the internet but is too old to ever fully understand the internet ever again, as a card-carrying younger old myself, I am friends with lots of other olds, some of whom I worked with back in my days in legacy media, and the olds from legacy media are very upset about the tiny microphone trend. I mean, some of them are not upset, some of them are just bemused in a totally innocuous way. As I get older and more out of touch, I am trying to channel my feelings of disorientation into smiling, innocuous bemusement, which leads to curiosity as opposed to bitterness, resentment, and defensiveness, which is how I've seen lots of other olds metabolize those same feelings of disorientation that we all experience as we get older and more and more out of touch. Just because something is not for me doesn't mean it is a threat to me. I'm trying to remember that, and many of my fellow young old friends are also trying to remember that. And not all of them talking about tiny mics are doing so with bitter resentment. Some of them are just bemused, which means confused in a kind of happy, fun way. What's up with the TikTok kids holding lavaliers in their hands as though they are actual handheld microphones? Why don't they just get real microphones or use the lavalier how it was actually intended to be used? Well, I'm here to explain what I think is behind this trend and why I not only tolerate the tiny mic thing, I fully support it. I actually suspect that the tiny mic in the hand will go down as an icon, an emblem of a profound moment of transition in the human endeavor that is media making. The tiny mic in the hand is the new basement four-track tape recorder. The tiny mic in the hand is the new Super 8 film camera. It's the new phone camera. The tiny mic is the thing that we refer to collectively as the media, which turns out to be much smaller and less scary of a thing when you hold it in your own hand yourself. I'm holding the media in my own hand at this very moment. I'm talking into a tiny microphone in my backyard for some variety. I like working outside and I don't have to set up, you know, lights or sound baffles or anything. This kind of tiny mo- microphone that I'm clutching in my hand here is known as a lavalier because it is designed not to be held in the hand. But to be worn like a piece of jewelry known as a lavalier. A lavalier is actually a kind of necklace, a kind of decorative ornamental pendant worn around the neck. The legend is that it's named after Duchess Louise de Lavier, mistress of uh, Louis XIV of France. Lavalier mics are also known as LAVs for short, Uh, clip-on mics, body mics, collar mics or lapel mics, because when you're miking up some slimy politician for your TV show, you can clip the lav right to the lapels of his slimy, dark blue politician's suit. And then when you ask him a tough question, he'll stand up and try to walk out on the interview really dramatically, but then he'll realize that he's still wired up to the mic, and maybe he gets stuck in the wires as he tries to storm away, and it's just hilarious. LAV mics are great for certain things. They've been around since the 1930s. The actual sound sensing microphone capsule at the core can be all kinds of different microphone technologies. They're not all one thing. There are LAVs that are dynamic mics, condenser mics, ribbon mics. Those are all just fundamentally different technologies for transducing acoustical energy into electrical energy and electrical signal. That's all a microphone is. It's, it's a transducer. It's some kind of membrane or thin piece of material that moves back and forth in response to vibrating air. And in the case of a, of a dynamic mic like this one, that diaphragm is connected to a magnet that then moves around inside a coil of wire, generating electricity in precise proportion to the movement of the diaphragm in response to changing air pressure at high frequencies, i.e., sound. Lots of different ways of doing that basic thing. And lavalier mics have been made with every microphone technology you could imagine. Nearly any kind of microphone design can be miniaturized into a lav. Some people argue that smaller diaphragm mics actually sound better than big mics because It takes less energy to set a small diaphragm into motion. Therefore, small diaphragms can be more sensitive to tiny, tiny little sounds. However, for physics reasons that I don't pretend to fully understand, smaller diaphragms tend to carry less power in the low frequencies. This is apparently highly debatable in scientific terms, but in subjective aesthetic terms, sound engineers tend to prefer really big mics for capturing big, deep sounds. And most people tend to like some depth in spoken audio content, though often a lot less than they realize, because an actual bassy voice really sounds pretty terrible on the radio or whatever, especially if you're listening in the car or another noisy environment. A truly bassy voice usually gets lost in the mud in that kind of competitive listening environment. And even if you're listening in a pristine environment, most of the acoustical information in speech that helps us to tell the difference between words is high frequency information. So if, you, if your low frequencies are too strong, they can overpower the high frequencies, and then people won't understand what you're saying to them. The kind of voice that tends to work really well for spoken audio is one that is a little bassy in character, but if you look at an actual graph of the frequency, you're gonna see that the voice is really quite bright, and most of the frequencies below 100 hertz or so have been completely filtered out. Same deal with singing voices. Everybody thinks Barry White had the lowest singing voice in popular music, but if you actually inspect the recordings, his voice was quite bright, so it could cut over the music and over the noise in the club where they were playing Your Sweetness Is My Weakness or whatever. Barry might have been singing low notes, but the acoustical properties of his vocal apparatus combined with how the engineers miked and mixed his voice meant that the upper frequency content of that voice got a lot of emphasis relative to the low frequencies. And those upper frequencies are what carried Barry White's voice over the din and into our ears and into our hearts like sweet, sexy honey. Anyway, the point is, people who do use big microphones do so for a reason, man. I'll put down the tiny microphone now. And I'm gonna switch over to my normal podcasting mic, which is a much larger diaphragm mic. This is the Shure SM7B, a stone-cold classic of the radio pod genre, also used in music all the time. Michael Jackson's Thriller, famously cut with an SM7 on the vocals. The SM7 design has changed barely at all since it was released in uh, 1973 for the first time because they got it right from the start. It's kinda like Leo Fender's original Stratocaster guitar or something. They tweak it a little year after year, but the basic design never changes because they nailed it 50 years ago. The SM7B is big compared to, you know, the, the lavalier, right? But compared to other studio microphones, it's pretty small and light and simple and inexpensive and has few moving parts that can break, etc. But most importantly, it just seems to emphasize all the best frequency ranges in a typical human voice. I love how this mic sounds. I love even bigger, more expensive mics. I love uh, a Neumann U87. I love an Electro-Voice RE20. I worked in relatively high-budget news radio for a long time, and I got to use all of these gigantic studio mics. People spend $4,000 on a U87 for a reason. It sounds incredible, on the right voice, and in the right context. But let me switch back over now to my tiny mic and you are gonna hear that it sounds pretty good too, you know, because how you use it matters way more than how big it is. The number one factor determining the quality of a vocal audio recording is not which kind of mic you're using, but how close you're getting it to the face of the person whose voice you're trying to record. Hence, holding the tiny mic in your hand. If the mic was several feet away from my lips, it would sound very different, okay? Can you hear now? So I am holding the mic a full arm's length away from my face now. And at this point, the podcast should start to sound a little more like a movie because this is how most dialogue in most movies these days is recorded, by a boom microphone, which is just a microphone that's at the end of a long stick that an underappreciated crew person holds up in the air as close as possible to the actor's mouth, just out of the camera frame, which for most film setups ends up being several feet at least away from the actor's mouth this distance between the sound source and the mic is gonna introduce a lot more room noise and ambient noise into the sound. The sound from my voice is not reaching the microphone so directly anymore. My voice is passing through all of this other air before it gets to the diaphragm. And so now there's way more other sound in the mix competing with me. Also, the frequency response of a mic changes when you put the mic far away. The mic will emphasize different frequency ranges of your voice when it's far away. Some mics in particular, called directional mics, have a physics phenomenon known as the proximity effect, where they sound extremely bassy the closer you get to them. Holding the mic far away changes the sound a lot. It makes the sound more natural because rarely do we listen to other people by putting our ears right against their lips. This sounds more natural, but it is less clear. We're more likely to lose some words, especially if I stop speaking so loud and so clearly, and if I start mumbling all naturalistically, the way that most actors seem to do these days. You lose some clarity with the standard boom mic setup that you see on a film set because the mic is simply too far away from the speaker's mouth. I mean, movie industry sound people work extremely hard to make boom mic audio as coherent as possible. They have ever-expanding bags of tricks that they can use on individual words or parts of words to help a crucial swallowed consonant sing out over the musical score in the movie and the sound effects and all of that. And if none of their technological tricks work to make that crucial word audible, well, they might beg the producer to beg the actor to come back in and to dub their dialogue in the studio with a Neumann U87 right up against their lips, and that's why dubbed audio, dubbed dialogue, sounds distractingly different from the boom mic sound on set. At least that is when the dubbing is done badly. I talked to Barzini. Anyway, cinematic audio usually sounds like this. A microphone pointing at someone, ah, I dropped the mic. Cinematic audio normally sounds like this. A microphone pointing at someone's lips from several feet away. TV audio usually sounds like this, or it sounds like this in certain kinds of programming that are particularly associated with television, like talk shows and news shows and lots of reality shows. Very commonly on those kinds of productions, your best bet is to take a tiny mic, and pin it onto a person's shirt or tape it on their skin just under their shirt if you want to hide the mic. That's what I do. I usually tape it on my chest. In either case, the mic will not be in front of the person's lips, but it will be down on their chest, and chesty audio sounds bad. The microphone is just terribly off-axis, for one thing off-axis. It's not pointing directly into the stream of air pressure disturbances that's emanating from my mouth. The mic is pointing up from my chest, and my face is pointed out to my audience. So the mic is at a perpendicular angle to the air coming out of my mouth, and that's not how you'd normally want to mic a voice. A little off-axis is good. That helps to minimize popping P's and stabbing S's. But 90 degrees off axis is two off axis for directional mics, which lots of mics are. And then there's the problem of all the reflections created by my chest. My voice doesn't just reach the microphone down on my chest. My voice also reaches my chest itself and it bounces off my chest and maybe bounces again off of my neck or my chin. And eventually those reflections make it back into the mic. And those reflections create interference with my direct voice. Some frequencies get canceled out while others get doubled up and reinforced. These phase artifacts, we call them, sound kind of like swishy when the microphone or the sound source is moving as I'm moving the microphone right now. you get some phase artifacts that are kind of swishy, thus constantly changing which frequencies are getting interfered with the movement is doing, right? But if you hold everything still, that kind of phase interference remains, it's just kind of static. So it doesn't sound like swishing anymore. Instead, the word that people usually use to describe this kind of sound is boxy. This mic sounds a little boxy when it's down on my chest, because my body is doing what the walls of a box would do if you were to stick your head into a box and speak or sing. The box reflects the sound, which creates phase interference across very short reflection times. I mean, an echo from the side of the Grand Canyon, hello, hello, hello. That doesn't cause phase interference because it takes 10 seconds to get back to you. Very quick echoes from close surfaces, those cause phase interference, and the result is a a boxy sound. Lav mics used the way they're designed to be used, that is, clipped on the body as I'm holding it on my body right now. Lav mics that are used the way they're designed to be used, clipped on the body so that you don't have to hire a boom mic operator. Lav mics clipped on the body tend to sound a little boxy. Plus, they brush up against things like the clothes the person is wearing. I'm Italian American, and so I talk with my hands a lot, and that constantly introduces, you know, clothes brushing noises into my lav audio. Lavs suck. They're the best option in lots of situations, but they still suck. I'm a radio man and lavs are the sound of television, so I hate lavs. Forgive me for sounding salty, but in my defense, I have been drinking a nice, cool, salty glass of grapefruit-flavored Element, sponsor of this episode. Get a free sample pack at drinkelement.com. Element is spelled L-M-N-T, so it's Adam. Element is a delicious, powdered electrolyte drink mix with zero sugar, precisely formulated to replenish all of the crucial sodium, potassium, and magnesium that you may deplete while getting all hot and sweaty this summer. If you've ever done extended physical effort and felt your electrolytes crash, well, you know what I'm talking about. Sodium and other electrically conductive minerals are essential for normal operation of your nervous system. And sodium in particular is essential for hydration, because you can drink all the water you want, but your body won't hold that water unless your salt levels are where they need to be. Excuse me. Oh, that's delicious. Yes, many people probably consume too much sodium, But it's also easy to consume too little if you are sweating a lot, or if you're eating a really clean diet with no processed foods, which is where most people get most of their salt. I've been there, man. Not getting enough salt. Headaches, muscle cramps, reduced mental and physical performance — it's no good. That's why electrolyte drinks exist. And Element is a great one because it is sweetened with stevia, so a whole big serving is only 10 calories. You might be sweating or eating clean for the express purpose of burning calories. In which case, why would you want to replenish those calories with your electrolyte drink? You'd rather just replace the electrolytes and the water, and that's what you get with Element. Plus, some very simple natural flavors to make it delicious. I am wild about the limited edition grapefruit salt flavor that is available for the summer. I put salt on my grapefruit already to knock back the bitterness, so this just works. Devotees know that grapefruit is probably my favorite flavor of anything, and it's certainly my favorite fruit flavor. Nothing could taste more summery than grapefruit. Get that grapefruit flavor now while it lasts. If you want to try a bunch of other Element flavors, don't forget that you can get a free sample pack with any purchase at drinkelement.com. Try a whole bunch of flavors with that uh, free sample pack that's only available through my link. As always, Element offers no questions asked returns if you don't like it, so go to LM. DrinkLMNT.com slash Adam. DrinkLMNT.com slash Adam. Thank you, Element. Anyway, lavalier microphones suck, but they are the best available option in lots of media-making contexts. If you're making videos, rarely can you rely on a mic that's just clamped up to your camera because your camera is just too far away from the person who is speaking or your phone in most contexts. You've got to get a mic closer to the person's mouth to hear them really clearly. And if you can afford a boom mic and a boom mic operator... Even then, boom mics kinda suck because it's so hard to keep them in perfect position all the time. If you wanna hear how challenging boom mics are, well then watch Saturday Night Live and pay really close attention to the audio. They use lavs, For some SNL sketches, but mostly they use boom mics and pity the poor boom mic operators who are trying to follow an actor who's bounding around the stage while at the same time keeping the boom from slipping down into the camera's shot. You don't realize how bad TV sounds until you try only listening to the sound. I noticed this first when I was a little kid and I had a radio that also picked up the audio from over-the-air TV stations. We used to call that TV on the radio, hence the band name. They made radios with a special channel for TV signals so that people could listen to the play-by-play of televised sports games or something, but it was also useful in a pinch when you couldn't make it home in time to catch your favorite dramatic series or whatever, because back in the day, if you missed the episode, you missed the episode. So listening to the show in the car was better than nothing. TV on the radio. I noticed again how much TV audio sucks when I worked at an American public radio station that broadcasted the PBS NewsHour, which is the leading public television news program in the United States. The NewsHour is a TV show, but you could follow it well enough just by listening to the voices. So this radio station that I worked at one time, they used to air the NewsHour on the radio. And I would listen to it and be aghast by how terrible it sounded compared to the native radio programming that we played before and after the News Hour. So why did the News Hour sound so bad? It's because people were not talking directly into mics. That looks bad on TV. We want to see the person's face, not a giant mic in front of the person's face. So when they make a TV show like the News Hour, they mic people with booms and or with lavs, which keeps the mics out of the shots. The mics are not optimally positioned to capture the human voice for optimal clarity and richness. That's just the thing with lavs. For all of their flaws, lavalier mics still have undeniable advantages. Even if you don't care about hiding the mic in the shot, lavs are still great because they are small, and therefore easily portable. I can just tuck this lav into my pocket when I'm done with it. And ever smaller, ever cheaper, ever more effective lavs have been flooding the consumer electronics market lately. Ever since 2009, Apple has shipped its iPhones and other devices with Apple headphones that have tiny onboard microphones on the headphones. With these headphones that I have on right now, the mic is this little rectangle that's dangling on the wires about a foot underneath my face here. They put these tiny mics onto headphones and other consumer electronics devices so that we can take phone calls, and increasingly so that we can issue voice commands to our devices. At some point, kids making internet videos with the gear in their pockets noticed that they could get a much richer, clearer audio if they grabbed that tiny mic dangling off of their headphones or whatever, and if they held it right up to their lips. Hold that tiny mic right up to your lips, and all of a sudden it sounds like radio. Because that, I might argue, is the biggest difference between radio slash pod and film slash video and TV. The biggest difference is not the cameras, but the mic placement. Howard Stern has cameras on him, but his show is still a radio show because he's talking directly into a microphone. TikTok kids found that they could make their videos sound rich and deep and intimate like radio if they grabbed that weird little lapel mic on their free iPhone headphones or whatever, and if they held it right up to their lips. I mean, not too close to their lips, because if you really eat the mic like this, you're gonna get some disgusting mouth noises, and you're gonna get lots of pee pops. A tiny mic like this is not designed to be used so close to the face, and so it often has insufficient shielding to protect it from the incredible acoustical power of P's and, secondarily, S's. And when you do put adequate shielding, like foam, on a lav mic, it tends to look a little ridiculous, like a, like a little puffball, and then your tiny mic isn't so tiny anymore. It's now a giant tribble of hair or foam. These are all the reasons why lavs generally have minimal shielding to protect you from bassy blowing wind or pee pops. So maybe you don't want to hold your tiny microphone too close to your lips. But if you want to listen around for a sweet spot, you'll probably find one that's just like, I don't know, a finger's length from your lips. Human voices sound much clearer and richer recorded at this kind of proximity. And I suspect that the whole tiny microphone trend emerged originally from kids just experimenting with the ubiquitous consumer electronics gear they have in their pockets now. Oh, I have this phone that my mom bought for me, and I have these headphones that came with it, and the headphones have a little built-in lavalier-style microphone that's meant to dangle down around my chest, but if I just pick it up and hold it Close but not too close to my lips. Well, I get this crazy good sound that helps my TikTok videos be heard through all of the crappy phone speakers on which most people are listening to my videos, right? Small mics can have a little trouble capturing low frequency sounds, but small speakers have a huge amount of trouble reproducing low-frequency sounds. for physics reasons that I don't claim to fully understand, but the basic challenge is that you need to move a lot of air in order to reproduce a low-frequency sound, and a tiny speaker simply can't move that much air. So if you want your voice to have any depth and richness coming out of a phone speaker, Your best bet is to record it with a microphone that's really close to your mouth. Also, when people watch TikTok videos out there in the wild, they're not doing so in a silent home theater. They're watching your videos while they're in line for the self-checkout at the grocery store. They're listening on a crappy speaker in a loud, busy room giving your video half of their attention at most. Your best bet for delivering clear audio in that context is to get the mic real close to your face. I suspect another factor behind the emergence of this tiny mic trend may be the duet function on TikTok and similar functions on competing platforms where you can record a video talking over someone else's video and if you don't really know how to lower the audio of the video that you're talking over you can make yourself heard by just talking directly into a mic that is just outside your lips if you're a tiktoker or some such there are so many advantages to be realized by just talking directly into your mic The onboard mic on your phone is pretty close to your face when you're holding your phone up to film yourself, right? But what a difference a few inches can make when you get the mic even closer. Kids discovered this knowledge independently as they played around with the gear they have in their pockets. And at some point, some of them thought, hey, I got a few million views on TikTok now. I'm making money by making vertical social video on the internet. So perhaps it's time to invest in some equipment. So let's imagine that we're that TikTok kid right now. We're ready to go pro and buy some real gear. We're not gonna use the free Apple headphones with the onboard lapel mic anymore. It's graduation day. So what do we do? Well, we go on the internet and we search for microphones. And what do we see? Well, we probably see a bunch of big, old-fashioned-looking mics that just look old and big and flabby, and they don't even plug into a phone or a computer. Most real professional mics have a very large, three-pronged metal output jack known as an XLR connection. XLR, which stands for External Line return. XLR connections are fantastic. They are extremely secure, unlike uh, other things that are likely to sort of come loose or pop out accidentally, and XLR conditions are typically very well — they're very well shielded from outside electromagnetic interference, such as this horrible beeping noise that's caused by cell phone signals, and you've probably heard that before in mic audio. XLR connections are great, but they are analog. If you want to plug your microphone into your smartphone or your computer, you need some kind of analog to digital encoder and probably lots of other hardware like preamps. And for that, you have two options. First option is you can buy some kind of outboard gear. You can buy a box or a digital mixing board or something that will probably be kinda big and might require its own power source and you plug the mic into that box. You then plug the box into your computer, probably via a USB cable or something. That's the first option. And it's the option generally used by professionals because it leaves all of your other options as open as possible. You can plug lots of different kinds of mics into that one box, etc. And if you don't like how the preamp in that box sounds, you can try a different box or whatever. The second option for digitizing that analog signal that comes out of a microphone is to buy a USB mic or some kind of thing like that a microphone that has the analog to digital converter built into it such mics are generally not made for the hardcore old school professional the hardcore old school professional probably already has a very expensive digital mixing board that they're running all their mics into, or they already have a very expensive digital field audio recorder to record everything out there in the field and then bring it back in the studio, where they will then throw the sound up onto the mixing board for further processing. Right? The old school professional does not want a mic with its own, probably much lower quality, digital encoder built in but you know who would like a USB microphone? Our TikTok kid who is looking to level up from the phone mic or the free Apple earbuds with the built-in mic. Our TikTok kid Googles microphones, finds a bunch of big XLR mics that won't plug into their phone, so maybe this TikTok kid then Googles USB microphones or phone microphones. And now we get some very different search results. Now we start to see more prosumer oriented products. If I Google USB microphone right now, what I see first is the now iconic Blue Yeti microphone, which was the first big hit USB mic on the market. You'd probably recognize it right now if you image-searched Yeti microphone. It is the stereotypical podcaster's microphone because you can plug it directly into a computer. In fact, for years when I was working in radio and the whole podcast phenomenon exploded — radio on the Internet — Every time somebody wrote a think piece that I had to read about how podcasting is changing everything, they always decorated their article with stock art of a Yeti microphone. It's styled like a big old-school radio studio microphone, which gives, gives them room to stow all of the electronics that you need for a USB mic. And it comes on a big desk stand, the Yeti does. A mic like that is obviously designed to be used with a desktop computer because it sits on a desk. Also, back then at least, the output of something like a Yeti probably would have been a USB-A connector. right? It's made to plug into a computer. Our hypothetical TikTok kid is not making their videos on a computer. They're making their videos on their phone. USB-A won't plug into a phone, and there is no desk. So the desk stand is silly. The whole idea of having a huge freaking microphone that would necessitate a stand seems silly to a person who makes their content on the go with their phone. Is there anything more fatally old-fashioned Than the microphone that you see on a late night talk show hosts desk, like Seth Meyers and Jimmy Fallon have those big old timey radio mics on stands sitting on the desks from which they host their late night television programs. Those mics don't do anything. They're just props. You're actually hearing Jimmy through like a $3,000 wireless lav mic that's somewhere on his body. But the big mic on the table stand is a traditional prop of American late-night desk-based comics going back to the legendary ribbon microphones that were on Johnny Carson's desk that he used to actually use before The Tonight Show switched to using overhead booms and then eventually mostly to lavs. But the table mic stayed as a prop. The big mic on the desk stand is from the days when people thought, hey, what should we do with this new television medium? Well, let's just point the camera at the radio hosts that we already have doing shows. We'll just grab Ed Murrow over there and put him at a desk with his big-ass radio microphone, and we will point the camera at him, and that will be TV. What's old is new again. Here I am making a podcast, which I would classify as a type of radio show, but so that, you, so that I can also reach people who are watching video on YouTube, a kind of TV, I would say YouTube is. Well, here I am pointing a camera at myself as I do my radio show into my microphone. What's old is new again. The big mic on the table stand on Seth Meyers' desk is a symbolic relic of that earlier radio to television transition from about uh, hundred years ago now, right? A big table mic is not how you look cool in 2023. You know how you do look cool? by grooming yourself with Manscaped, sponsor of this episode. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code RAGUSEA at manscaped.com. Are you gonna be the guy at the beach this summer looking like a Sasquatch? Manscaped is dedicated to helping you increase your confidence and level up your full-body grooming game with the Performance Package 4.0. The kit comes with the Essential Lawn Mower 4.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer. Also lots of liquid unguents to round out your grooming routine. Whether you're knocking back that Austin Powers chest forest or mowing the understory as it were, this is the best trimmer that you can buy. It's got a ceramic blade designed to cut hair on loose skin, thus reducing grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology. I use Manscaped all the time. I use a trimmer on my beard, and I have definitely, definitely noticed that it is much sharper and cleaner and less irritating to my skin than my old trimmer. And the guide just works so well. Cheaper guides just break on other trimmers. And these trimmers are accurate. You could trim a special message into some area of your body. Unlock your creativity. Express yourself. Because there's only one person like you in the whole entire world. Also, within the performance package, you're gonna find Manscaped Ball Toner, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer to keep your boys fresh and plump, even as they rattle around inside a bathing suit all day. Plus, you get the Weed Whacker 2.0 for trimming nose hairs, and the Shears 2.0 nail kit if you're gonna be wearing sandals, or thongs, as the Australasians would say. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code REGUSIA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with my code RAGUSEA at manscaped.com. Trim your chesticles with the besticles. Thank you, Manscaped. Anyway. Uh-oh. It's going to rain. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll check back with you guys. I got to bring all my gear inside. It's raining. Bye. Okay, I have taken refuge from the rain inside the greenhouse, which is... Very acoustically reflective of this greenhouse, which is why this is going to sound so different now. Anyway, if I am a TikTok kid looking to buy my first real mic, and the mics that I'm Googling all look like the old-timey radio mic on the Conan O'Brien desk, well, I'm going to think that's not for me. That's for someone else. There's something about a big radio mic on a stand that is not only technologically old-fashioned, but it is also socially old-fashioned. It is the mic of the old white man who is going to sit in his ill-gotten perch of power, and he's going to use his booming voice to tell everybody else what to believe. This is an argument that I first heard articulated by Julia Barton, who is an old public radio hand like me. Now she is a like very big-time podcast producer She's the producer behind a lot of Malcolm Gladwell stuff, among other successful projects. And what Julia used to say is that a big desk mounted radio microphone like that is a mic for speaking, not for listening. Because when you're an, an old school radio reporter, you don't go into the field with a giant. U87 in your backpack or a Shure SM7B, no, you go out with like a Shure SM57 or some similar handheld mic like the kind that I'm holding up to the camera now for the people who are watching on home video. When you go out to the fire to interview people who've lost their homes, you don't jam one of those like giant mics into their face. That would be ridiculous. A giant mic like this is for when you go back to the studio to tell your audience about the fire, okay? This is a mic for talking, not for listening. And therefore, A giant desk-mounted mic really ought not be the visual symbol of our entire industry, Julia argued. When we last talked about this, Julia was talking about all the the podcast industry think pieces published under a stock photo of a Yeti or some other desk-mounted radio mic. That only works as the symbol of our industry if we're in the talking business, and we should be in the listening business, too. That was Julia Barton's typically astute argument. So add that to the heap of reasons why a Gen Zer trying to make a career on TikTok would look at a picture of a Yeti type USB mic and think, this isn't for me. I'm not sitting behind a desk while some union-rate film crew points a $50,000 camera at me. I'm out in the world making fun and interesting videos myself with my phone, and I want those videos to sound a little better. So I'm looking for microphones. What else you got that's not a giant desk microphone? And this is when our hypothetical TikToker discovers lavaliers. Because right after smartphones hit the market, microphone companies started producing lavalier-type microphones built to plug directly into a smartphone. It just made sense. They figured that people would want to use such microphones for hands-free calling. Correct. They also figured correctly that people like me would want to use digital lavaliers in conjunction with our smartphones to yield a compact, field audio recorder setup for reporting and other media production purposes. A mic is just a mic. You have to plug it into a device that actually records the file. In the case of the lavalier that I'm talking into right now, it connects down to like a standalone flash memory digital audio recorder device. So when I'm interviewing like a farmer or whatever for a video, I will tape the lav inside his jacket or something, and then the actual recording pack has to go into his pocket, or I can hang it off of his belt loop or something. I let it record on the farmer's body, and then I sync up that audio with the video from my camera later when I edit. It's really very easy, and I don't have to worry about setting up and maintaining a live radio or Bluetooth connection between the mic and the camera. I find it much more stable and reliable to just let this very simple audio recording device record to a little SD card on my interview subject's body and then I just swing back, pick up that little file later when I need it. Regardless, there's always some kind of little recorder stashed on the guy's body, or there's a little antenna pack that transmits the signal from the lav directly to your camera, or or Bluetooth or something like that. There always has to be a device on the other end of the mic to capture the sound. And when smartphones came around, microphone makers correctly observed that the phone could be the receiving device for the data. All they had to do was make a lav mic that you can plug into a phone, and so they did. Now, the internet is filled with very cheap, surprisingly good-sounding, highly compact and portable, mass-produced from China, probably, lavalier mics that we can plug directly into our smartphone. When our hypothetical... TikTok kid goes looking for their first real mic, this is the kind of product they're going to see. And they're going to think, yeah, that's for me. That's cheap and it fits in my pocket along with my phone with which I make my videos. So TikTok kid orders that little lightning or USB-C lav mic for 20 bucks or whatever, and I'm not sure what they do with it next. Like if I'm a general Zer on TikTok and I'm holding a lav mic for the first time, what is my instinct to do with it? Like, do I think to clip it onto my shirt as intended? That seems kind of formal, kind of... TV ish. I don't know, maybe TikTok Kid does try wearing the mic on their shirt like this at first, but they quickly realize the downsides. Lavs are really easy to pin onto lapels. That's why they're also called lapel mics. But who wears lapels anymore, particularly when TikToking? It's surprisingly hard to clip or tape a mic onto a t shirt. It makes the shirt bunch up in unattractive ways, as you may have seen in some of my videos. And then the mic rattles around on the shirt, and it scrapes up against your skin and your hair, and all that makes a whole lot of noise. I could imagine a TikTok kid using the lapel mic on their shirt a few times, and then one day saying, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to hold the damn thing in my hand. They record their TikTok, they play it back, and then they think, damn, that sounds great because a microphone a few inches from a person's lips always sounds great. That's why we use that kind of miking in radio where sound is the only thing that matters. When sound is the only thing that matters, you talk into a mic that is a few inches from your lips. A lavalier is not designed to be used that way, but who cares? TikTok Kid has the lav mic because it's cheap and small and it plugs into the phone. And while it's kind of hard to hold something so small in your hand, it doesn't cover your entire face in the shot. As you are talking into the camera that you are making your TikTok with. In that context, it's usually pretty important that people see your face, and a tiny mic doesn't get in the way. Holding the tiny mic in front of your face just makes sense on every level, plus, it looks curious. So maybe people are more likely to stop scrolling and to watch your TikTok all the way through to contemplate this weird tiny microphone that you're holding. What's that she's holding? Is that a microphone? Why is she holding it instead of wearing it? Oh, wait, what's that she said about the secret to a great Thai yellow curry? The curiosity brings viewers in the door, but your quality content helps keep them there and listen to that nice crisp sound. You can hear every word. Hence the tiny microphone trend really starts to spread and then it becomes a thing. It becomes a meme as the kids would say to describe nearly any kind of running joke or recurring reference or any kind of in joke that you could imagine. All of that is a meme now. Talking into a tiny mic in your hand becomes a meme on TikTok and imitating platforms. It takes on a life of its own. And then companies start to capitalize on the situation by making phone loves in cute little shapes that look like miniature handheld microphones, or maybe they already had manufactured those and they were sitting in a warehouse somewhere and the TikTok trend simply provided that company with unexpected business. Of course, as the trend spreads, people realize that the big reason why we normally don't hold lav mics in our hands, and that is that it's an object that's not designed to be held in the human hand. It's too small. You fumble the mic all the time, or if you grip it really tight, your hand cramps up. Miniaturization only has so much utility when it comes to objects that people are supposed to manipulate with their fingers. See the micro SD card. Like I'm recording on to one of those tiny memory cards right now, and when I go to get it out, I'm gonna put it into the card reader to retrieve my files and there will be a moment when I'm looking down at my finger and I think, is that an SD card or is that a chip of paint that stuck to my finger? Micro SD cards are too small to hold. Remember that SNL sketch from the uh, flip phone era? When Will Ferrell pulls out the latest, smallest flip phone and it's the size of like a micro machine and he can't flip it open with his giant sausage fingers at all? A lav mic is also an object that is too small to be used easily with the hands. So that's when people started doing the clever stuff, like clipping the mic into a balloon whisk to give them like a human hand scaled handle. Surely there is a company out there making a low cost hip looking tiny mic that you can plug directly into a phone, but it's mounted on the end of like a a pencil like shaft that's actually designed to be held in the human hand. Surely such a company is working on such a product right now. I might invest in such a company right about now. But in the meantime, I will continue to stand up for the tiny microphone trend. To my fellow olds from old media, I say, stop complaining this is not just idiot kids being clueless about how to work their equipment. Like most things large numbers of people do, large numbers of people are holding their lav mics for a reason. The many reasons that I just laid out. As an audio producer who is now stranded in video... I'm really quite glad to see kids prioritizing sound quality over visuals. That's a rare thing in video production. Everybody is so distracted by visuals, but if you can't hear what people are saying, you have nothing. Audio is more important than video. I always used to tell my students back when I was at Mercer, audio is more important than video and I can prove it. You know, when you're watching a video on YouTube and the internet connection starts to crap out, what freezes first, the audio or the video? Usually the video because people who build online video player platforms know that if the picture freezes or glitches out for a second, we can live with that. But if the sound glitches out, the audience is lost. I'm glad to see TikTok kids prioritizing clear, rich sound. I also think their use of the tiny microphone sends a powerful message. It's an emblem of our times, this tiny microphone. Consciously or subconsciously, this is what TikTok kids are saying when they use a tiny microphone up to their lips like this. By clutching the tiny microphone, they are rejecting everything about legacy media that is or was cumbersome and bloated. Oh, you think I need a crew of dozens of people to shoot and edit a stupid reality show? Watch me. I'm going to do it entirely myself with my phone, and it's actually going to be way better than your shitty TV show. Oh, you think you need like a giant grant from some deep pocketed nonprofit to fund production of your super important eye-opening documentary film? Watch me. I'm going to make it myself in a week with my phone and Google Scholar and some free stock footage. And even if it's a little more rugged and handmade than the film that you would have produced, well, it still gets the information across and it does it in 15 minutes instead of the... 120 indulgent minutes you were planning to fluff up with award bait filler. And my mini documentary that I made on my phone feels way more honest and personal and immediate because one person made it themselves. And yeah, all things considered, it's better than your conventionally produced documentary, which is why my video has 5 million views online and your film has 500 views, most of them your mom. Oh, you think you need a boom mic operator or a giant expensive old fashioned table mounted radio mic to sound really good? Well, check it out. I can get radio quality audio with this $20 USB lav if I just hold it in front of my lips. And then I can slip it into my pocket and ride off to the next adventure I will chronicle for TikTok with my smartphone because I am a free agent, not shackled to the bloated, outmoded Hollywood-style production system. That's what the kids are saying when they clutch a tiny mic on TikTok, and I think they're mostly right. I still weep. I still weep for much of the legacy media, but in many ways, it has deserved its long, painful death, which was delayed slightly by an influx of investor cash that fueled the streaming bubble. It probably was a bubble as everyone is finding out now. I mean, I stand with the striking WGA writers, 100%. I think there are people in Hollywood who are extracting lots of money out of the system while adding little, if any, value in return. They just want passive income off of other people's intellectual property. I think the writers deserve a bigger share of the pie relative to those loathsome rent seekers. But I do worry that the writers are fighting for a bigger slice of a legitimately smaller pie. We've got a pretty big pie over on a place like YouTube, I gotta say. If you're good, you can gather an audience in the hundreds of thousands and make a great living as long as you keep costs low. You can keep costs low by making stuff yourself with the gear in your pocket. If you if you light stuff so that people can see it, and if you hold the camera steady enough so that people don't feel like they're gonna throw up, and if you get the mic close enough so that people can hear everything, that's really all the technical quality that audiences demand. If they like who you are and they're interested in what you have to say. I'm grateful that you're interested enough in what I have to say Either that or you just blacked out for 45 minutes and you're just only now coming to. What should the Ragusia podcast come to next? Email me at askadamquestions at gmail.com. Askadamquestions at gmail.com. Make good choices. Stay out of the rain. Talk into whatever microphone you want to talk into. Don't let anybody bully you around. Talk to you next time.